And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son and Coming up on the show, we're going to take a look at some of the more interesting things that took place during the elections. Not the typical political talk that you might be used to or have been hearing since the elections took place. I'm going to look at it from a different perspective. Again, the perspective of the show is always bringing out our inner greatness, raising the standard, inspiring and motivating others. And so there's certain elements of this past election that I really want to kind of talk about and see how it's going to affect the direction of our country and more importantly, us as people. Is it a good thing for us or not? So that's coming up. Also, Powerball. Somebody won $2 billion in uh, the most recent Powerball. Did you play? So we'll talk about that as well. But as we get started, like I said, there's a couple things that I noticed during the election that I find very interesting. And we may come back at the end of the show for a couple other things that you might want to keep an eye on. As we move forward into the next couple of years when it comes to actual politicians. But right now, what I want to talk about is some of the ballot initiatives that people voted on. What's a ballot initiative? Basically, it's like an amendment, maybe amendment to a city charter, maybe an amendment to a state constitution, maybe an amendment to something, or maybe it's enacting a new law, for example. And so, um, There were three things that stood out, and they all have to do with what could be considered, or at least back in the old days, vices. You know, you have vice cops. Vice cops would pursue these crimes, these elements of criminal activity that wasn't like murder, um, you know, robbery, grand theft auto. These were more into the crimes of society. Drugs, prostitution, maybe alcohol back in prohibition, things like that. And at one time, those were all frowned upon as something that was criminal. But now what's happening to our country? We take a look at some of these ballot initiatives and you start to see a change. You start to see a focus on removing some of the criminal element in these areas and making it okay. And so the first one I want to start out with is that of marijuana, the wacky weed on the ballot. Now, there were a few amendments or initiatives, ballot measures that were being voted on this past election in various states, Missouri, South Dakota, North Dakota, Maryland, Arkansas, just to name a few. And they all had to do with the legalization of marijuana. I know a lot of people think that marijuana is innocent. A lot of people that utilize marijuana think it's innocent, but is it really? A couple of them passed in Missouri. They passed a legalization of marijuana amendment and also in Maryland. But North Dakota, South Dakota, and Arkansas, it failed. It makes you wonder why in some states it's passing and in other states it's not because there's Potentially, at least, according to, if you take a look at when California first instituted legalization of marijuana, it was a lot of money behind it, right? You could tax it. You could uh, put tariffs on it. And then, of course, you can charge people to come in in these dispensaries 
make money, which then you can tax some more. And so there's all kinds of money-making things that you could do with the legalization of marijuana. And so California opted to do that route. They also opted back in whenever it was to do the lottery. Remember when the California lottery was first getting started and all the money and the proceeds were going to go to schools and schools would never have any money issues ever again. So keep that in mind as we talk about some of these things, because last time I checked, there's a lot of economic hurt going on in school. School's not having enough money. And yet that problem was supposed to have been solved with the California lottery, but it hasn't. So again, you have some that passed, some that didn't. Okay. Well, currently, as of now, we have 22 states that have legalized recreational marijuana. I guess before the recreational marijuana, you had medicinal. And so obviously, everybody started out using medicinal marijuana. California, for example, all of a sudden you had to go and get a uh, doctor's note, your card from the doctor. All of a sudden, everybody had back pain, anxiety, and headaches. I think those skyrocketed 10,000% once medicinal marijuana came into effect. And so you had to have it for a reason. And there was all kinds of doctors out there that would just give it to you. You go to Venice Boulevard or Venice Beach, the boardwalk. There were doctors down there that were passing them out like Pez Candy from a dispenser, and then you go to the dispensary and get your medicinal. Now, I do know, and I don't want to neglect the fact that there are some benefits potentially medically. I know one guy who suffers from rheumatoid arthritis, pretty bad, pretty severe, has had surgeries and everything, and he's told me, we've had this conversation many times, he's told me that marijuana helps him ease the pain. Okay, I can understand that. So do we have compassion on this? Of course we do. But most of the people weren't taking medicinal marijuana for anything other than they just wanted to get high. I've also seen video. And again, I do have to take it with a little bit of, uh, I don't say concern, but you have to be a little bit like, okay, is this really true? I've seen uh, several palsy, people with several palsy, you know, shaking really bad. And then they smoke marijuana, and they're okay. They're not shaking anymore. They can communicate, and they're calm. So, again, if that's true, I don't have any information to back it up that it is true, but I've seen videos. So if it is true, that's a good thing too. So obviously you can't dismiss the medical benefits of it. And I know, especially from the rheumatoid arthritis perspective, from this guy that I would talk to about it, he claims that it helped. Now, he didn't smoke it. He stopped because he didn't want to be, or he didn't want marijuana to be a part of his life forever. And so initially when he heard that it would help, he would get medicinal marijuana and it would help him. But then he was like, no, I don't want that. So I'm going to bear the pain. So I commend him for that. But again, we want to keep in mind that sure, there might be some benefits. However, anxiety, back pain, headaches skyrocketed and everybody had a medical card to go get your medical marijuana. Then they legalized recreational, which I don't know then what comes next. You have medical, you have recreational, criminal? Maybe we have criminal marijuana? I don't know, but something's coming. And right now they're at states level. So we have 22 states that legalize recreational marijuana. Now, according to the recreational marijuana, maybe it's not commercial marijuana, 
Because recreational marijuana, you're only allowed to have, I think, like an ounce and maybe a couple plants, depending on what state you live in. Uh, you can only buy so much so often, perhaps. You know, so states do have a little bit of, of regulation. But again, you have states that it's full-on legal with some requirements. You have 14 states that state medical marijuana is only medicinal and you can't have recreational. So 14 is medical use only. And then in 15 states, it is illegal, which I would imagine includes North Dakota, South Dakota, and Arkansas, which just passed or failed, I guess, failed to pass the legalization. So again, why are we trying to legalize drugs? I know a lot of people will sit there and say, oh, well, you know, it's just marijuana. It's no big deal. Others will claim it's a gateway drug, and they'll say, no, it's not. Now, I've never smoked it, but when you teach college in California for nearly 10 years, you're around a lot of people that use it. And the classes that I taught, radio broadcasting classes, audio production, audio editing, required the use of brain power. What do I mean by that? Well, the assignments weren't just read and write an essay. You had to literally take a piece of audio and edit it. You had to learn audio editing software. You had to write script. You had to perform on air, maybe a radio show, record a commercial. So there were elements to the curriculum that required you to do functioning things and not just sit in the back of the class and be high. And I remember one time, I think it was around 2014, 2015, somewhere in there, that I had a class of people that were heavy users. And we were getting nowhere. I mean, literally, we were not getting anything accomplished. And there were some things that we had to do because we had an online streaming radio station at the time. And so we were putting out shows. We were putting things online streaming that had to be there. Because, again, in radio, you can't have nothing on, you know, dead air, as they say. And so there were things that needed to be done. And then, not only that, the product that was going out, others in the community or especially the campus community, maybe the president of the college, maybe the dean, maybe some other people, maybe the board of trustee members would listen. And, of course, if they didn't like what they heard, they would bitch and complain Sometimes it would be legit, and other times it would just be preference. And so, yeah, we had to make sure that what we did was measuring up, set of standards. And I remember these this class, and the standard was dropping, and I had to tell them, okay, hey, can you please not use or smoke before class? If you do it, do it after class, because it's affecting the performance of the class. And then I was teaching a Saturday class one time, and I started to uh, connect with students on social media. And there was this one gal that was big on Snapchat, and she would wake up in the morning on a Saturday morning. Class started at uh, 9 and went to 1, and she would get up, and the first thing she would promote on Snapchat was smoking a bong. Then she'd get to campus, and she's in her car before class smoking a joint. And then right after class, she'd get back in her car, take another hit. And so I'm familiar with her marijuana use because of social media. So one time she had to do an editing project. And the editing project literally consisted, so you have your piece of audio, okay, literally consisted of making two edits, basically two cuts, 
removing the middle portion, squeezing together the front and the back portion, and that was it. Very simple. It was basically four or five steps. You download your audio. You make one snip in the audio editing software. You make another snip. Now you have three pieces, right? The front, the middle, the back. Delete the middle. Now you have the front, a gap, and the back because you've deleted the middle. Slide the two pieces together, and you play it. That was all. Should take no more than five minutes. 30 minutes later, she's still sitting there making edits, changing the volume on things, moving things around. And at the end, there was completely nothing coherent about what it was or the end product. And I said, hey, is that, uh, is that good? You good to go? She's like, oh, yeah, I like it. That's good. I'm like, wow. So, again, I have seen where marijuana does affect the mind. Another time. So, 2014, 2015, tell the class, hey, please stop using marijuana. 2016, 2017, there's this gal in the class that is completely just high out of her mind doing this exercise assignment. 2019, a student, which I didn't know at the time, smoked all the time, came to class and was doing good things and everything was going well. And then we had a class party for Thanksgiving. Before, right before Thanksgiving break, we had a bunch of food. People were making things and we we're having some fun and we did a live show. I guess she came high because something was off about her. She just wasn't herself. Her wit was gone. Wasn't as witty as, wasn't as funny. Wasn't as quick found out that she had smoked before and she got high. So it does so it does affect you. I don't care what people say, it does affect you and I've seen people through the examples I just told you be affected by marijuana. Now the addiction properties of marijuana, I'll let you argue that. But it does affect the mind. Have you ever talked? Have you ever seen fast times at Ridgemont High? Enough said. So why are we trying to decriminalize? Why are we trying to legalize this stuff? I mean, Oregon in 2020 decriminalized drugs or the possession of it. You can have heroin, crack, I guess, cocaine, whatever, a certain amount. You can possess it and there's no penalty for it. I guess if you have too much, now it's a bad thing and you can go to jail supposedly i guess if they still prosecute because there's some district attorneys and people like that in the law enforcement world that aren't even prosecuting crimes anymore but as of 2020 oregon decriminalized drugs now california they tried to but it was vetoed by the governor because you know if it went bad newsom wants nothing to do with anything that's going to tarnish his run for the white house but they tried to get these legal injection sites up in fact, Scott Weiner, Democrat from San Francisco area, one of the, in my opinion, most dangerous politicians in America, is sitting there and promoting these injection sites, legal injection sites, where drug addicts, heroin, whatever, can go to the site and inject their drugs safely. Obviously, you had needle exchange programs to try to uh, let people have clean needles because now you have fear of uh, certain other diseases that come from exchanging needles, HIV being one of them, hepatitis being another one. 
And so you have people trying to come up with ways to help, but you're still not solving the problem of fixing the addict. Now, think for yourself, if you may. First off, according to the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, so sounds pretty official, National National Survey on Drug Use and Health, Oregon is the second worst has the second worst addiction rate in the country. Montana is first. Which makes you wonder why North Carolina, I mean North Dakota and South Dakota didn't pass this because if you're in the northern states and you're snowed in half the year, not much to do. But so Oregon passed and uh, kind of decriminalized drugs, and their addiction rate is now second in the country. So why are we trying to, to do this? And is it just going to be marijuana, or are we trying to do other things? Well, here's a guy. His name is Carl Hart. He's a professor at Columbia University, and he would really like to see drugs become legal even heroin. The same way one might do alcohol responsibly. Um, Like today, you and I are sitting here meeting. I know we had this meeting. I know I couldn't have a drink of alcohol, just like I would decide (laughs) not to have do heroin before you and I meet. And besides, I wouldn't want to blow my highlight that, right? So you say a responsible heroin use would be um, at the end of the day when you have time set aside to do an activity that for you just like you might decide to go see a concert we mainly hear about drugs uh when something goes wrong because that's sexy that's drama nobody wants to hear about some woman who uses heroin on the weekend goes to work and meet her obligations through the week that's the typical experience of drug use okay now this guy said that he was i guess sober for this interview, but who in the world is a responsible heroin user? I mean, serious. What are we talking about? Somebody that only uses heroin on the weekends and then goes out and is responsible, takes care of business. I don't understand what he's talking about. There is no such thing as a responsible heroin user. If there is, please send them my way. I'd love to interview them. Because the drug is highly addictive. According to the National Institute on Health, heroin is highly addictive. People who regularly use heroin often develop a tolerance, which means that they need higher and more frequent doses of the drug to get the desired effect. I don't know of anyone who uses heroin casually. Is it out there? Because the more you use it, the more you need it. All you have to do is read the heroin diaries from Nikki Six of Motley Crue. And he will tell you everything you need to know. And there's other musicians, Steven Tyler, big heroin addict. And it is problematic. Sure, you can kick it. But there's no casual, productive heroin user. Maybe at one time, Coke, you could function. But what are we talking about here? And so you have musicians shooting up. You have other people addicted to heroin. It's an opioid, in case you didn't know. You've heard about you know fentanyl that is ravishing the country right now. You've heard of people getting addicted to like prescription opioids like Oxycontin. 
And there's some correlation, in fact, by the way, that if you start using or getting addicted to Oxycontin, maybe it's surgery, pain, pain uh, prescription from the doctor, you will use heroin. If you become addicted to that, it leads to the other. And so, yeah, nothing good comes from all of this. It affects the brain. That's the thing. And then they mix it with other things like maybe a crack cocaine. And then you have to get out there and try to find where you can get it. And people that have used it tell me that you take it for the first time and you get this rush like you've never felt before. And then that's what you're chasing every other time you take a hit. You're chasing that euphoria that's not there. And then to get off of it is a terrible thing. Go through a lot of stuff. There was a gal I know. I was in college. She was in elementary school. And then as I got to know her throughout the years, I think she was in middle school, uh, then high school. And I was always kind of um, teaching at the schools that she was at or working at the schools that she was going to. And so I got to know her a little bit more than maybe some casual students that would come and go from year to year. And I got to know her grandparents. Didn't realize her grandparents were raising her. Her mom wasn't in the picture. What happened to mom? Well, apparently, when this gal was young, the mom had a friend. And the friend was a heroin user. And so the mom tried to convince the friend to get off heroin, but she couldn't kick the habit. So mom decides that she's going to shoot heroin, maybe get addicted, and show her friend how she can get off heroin. She ended up overdosing. She got addicted, and then eventually at some point overdosed on heroin, and mom never survived. Now, years later, as an adult, meet up with her, her kids, doing well. Everything's going well. And then I meet, she's with some lady. Not mom. Obviously, mom's not with us anymore. And we talk, and everything's going well, and we're having a good time. Find out later that that lady that was with this gal that I know, that was the friend. And the topic came up. I didn't want to bring it up, but I was very curious. And the topic just happened to come up. Because I asked the gal that I know, I said, hey, is, is that the friend? That sounds like the friend that your mom was trying to help with heroin that didn't go so well. It's like, that's her. And the gal, the fr- the mom's friend, said that uh, every single day she regrets taking heroin because her friend, the mom, is no longer there because of her, she felt. So it's a tragic thing to deal in drugs. So why are we trying to promote it? Why are we trying to legalize it? Why does Carl Hart want to legalize? He's not going to take a drink or he doesn't want to blow his high doing an interview. So he's not going to do it before. He's going to wait till after. And tell the students do it after because it was affecting their work. But he wants to have his high the right way. When was the last time you knew anybody that could control their drug use? That didn't need a fix at some point. Addictions are usually 
the thing that you're addicted to controls your life. And if you have an opioid addiction, you're losing that battle. Now, it might not cost you your life. Maybe you kick the habit at some point, but you do not control a heroin addict. You do not control heroin. Heroin controls you. So I don't know what this guy's talking about. So again, why are we trying to, and good for some of these states that are pushing back, because why are we trying to legalize these vices, these drugs that are destroying people's lives? Again, you can argue all you want that marijuana is an innocent drug. It's not. And then at what point do you bring in the criminal element? What's too much? Where do you get it? Do you grow it? And then what about the turf wars about growing it? I think in Oklahoma, you can grow it legally, but it has to stay within the state of Oklahoma because it's not nationally or federally legalized. But then what happens now? You're starting to fight over turf because there's only limited space in Oklahoma. So what's the next thing? Well, legalized gambling. There were a couple states, California and Colorado, and it failed, which I find it interesting, that online or legalized sports betting died. Proposition 27, legalize online and mobile sports betting. That failed in California. That's shocking. Legalized sports betting at American Indian gaming casinos. Now, before you get all woke and say they're indigenous people, says right here, Proposition 26, Indian Gaming Casino. So go talk to them. Failed. Charitable Gaming Amendment in Colorado. Failed. That's surprising. Why are we trying to push online betting? 21 states right now have legal online betting. Five states, I guess you can only do it in person. You can't do it on an app or anything like that. So 26 states, it's legal. 24 states right now, there is no legal online betting. Obviously, in places like maybe Vegas, you have the the books, right? You can go to the uh, sports books and make your bets. But again, why are we doing that? We're pushing this legalized drugs or decriminalize them, make them easier. I think some states have taken away uh, the, the criminal aspect of it and tried to make it more of a social aspect. Instead of throwing people in jail, they want to help them. But isn't that the point? Isn't the point of the Bureau of Prisons and Rehabilitation? Shouldn't there be some rehabilitation going? If you want to make some changes, instead of making changes out in society where the people are being affected, I mean, just look at the streets. I mean, There's apparently a story going around that Mexico is using an anti-drug campaign, or I should say in their anti-drug campaign, don't use drugs, they're using uh, scenes from the streets of Philadelphia. Drug addicts and people on the streets of Philadelphia. Have you seen Portland? The streets of Portland, have you seen downtown LA? Have you seen other places where uh, drug-addicted people are homeless? So again, tell me, How is it that legalizing drugs is going to solve these problems? Maybe we should look into the rehabilitation aspect a little bit more. You don't want to send a user to jail? Fine. But giving them free drugs isn't going to help. Isn't going to help society. You got to come up with another way to figure it out. I'm glad that some of these states are pushing back on some of these so-called vices, 
because we'll get to it a little bit more. It's all about money. Now, the big one, of course, was abortion. As it sits right now, 12 state, uh, 12 states restrict it. 11, it's legal or it's available, but it's severely restricted, like bans, bans abortion after 15 weeks. In some states, uh, five states to be specific, that's a little bit more restrictive where you have to also have, uh, parental notification and there's a waiting period. And then three states, it's mostly accessible with some restrictions like parental notification and then depending on funding. And then 19 states, it's uh, legal with no restrictions. Okay. So you can argue that. And again, we've talked about it. I believe it was episode 66. If you really want to go back and hear more about uh, what I think about abortion, I'm not going to spend the whole time on it. But again, can someone please tell me what good comes from all these things? What good comes from legalizing marijuana? What good comes from legalized gambling? What good comes from legalized abortion? What good comes from it? And I've heard all the arguments, so you don't even need to answer that. I guess it could say it's more rhetorical. But again, all you're doing is creating users. All you're doing is creating an environment where people are going to not bring out their inner greatness, not raise the standard, not inspire and motivate others to do better, but the opposite. You're going to tear society down. I know a guy who started online betting, Monday Night Football. Now, I don't know the full extent of what he does, but I guess he was new to it, a younger kid. And I asked him, we'd kind of joke about it, and so I'd ask him how he was doing. And at some point, I think he said he was 1-14 in 14 on his bets. I think we'd gone through like seven or eight weeks of Monday Night Football. So I'm not sure exactly what he's laying down. But again, he been losing. I play fantasy football. I don't do it for money. But I play fantasy football. And when you play fantasy football, it can be, or fantasy baseball or basketball, you know, fantasy sports. If you're just playing for fun, okay, you have nothing vested except for bragging rights because your team won the championship or you won. It can still get frustrating because you're relying on something that isn't even, you have no control over. First of all, it's the athletes and not you. So last night in Philadelphia with the, uh, like a Monday night football game, for example, if you're in Philadelphia or maybe Monday night football game in Dallas and you're in some other place, you have no control absolutely whatsoever over the outcome of that. It's just purely on them. Okay. So now imagine if you put money on it and then you parlay that and then you do some other stuff thinking you're going to win big and then you lose because we all know that gambling is set up for you to lose. Now, some do win, but again, most part, you're going to lose. And that's why you have Vegas making gazillions of dollars year in and year out because the house wins. It's set up that way. And if you win, then you're going to try to win more. And if you lose, you're going to try to make up your winnings or make up your losses through winnings, right? And that's exactly what this kid's been doing. He's been losing on Monday Night Football, but he always tells me this every week, this is going to be it, this is going to be it, this is going to be it. And he keeps playing. And pretty soon you're in a hole and you've dug a hole that you can't get out of. And now you owe money. Or you've been betting the money that you do have and now you can't pay the rent or you can't pay utilities or gas in the car or food. And now that inflation and everything has gone up makes it even or magnifies it even, makes it worse. So again, why do we have these things? Why are we pushing 
addictive behavior or things that lead to addictive behavior because drug use, absolutely addictive behavior. Gambling. Sure, a lot of people can play and it's no big deal, but a lot of people do become addictive to gambling. Or not only that, they take money that they should be using for something else more responsibly and they put it into chance. Maybe I'll win, maybe I won't. And then you develop repeat customers. It's all about money is what we're getting back to. We have taken morality out of society and we've replaced it with greed, the love of money, which is the root of all evil. And that's what we're doing with these things. If you get people, why do drug dealers pass out free stuff? Get them addicted. So they come back to you. I knew a kid one time, actually it wasn't a kid, he was an adult, but he was a younger adult. And he would go to the clubs and they'd pass out ecstasy, free free ecstasy and apparently ecstasy gets you like hot in the clubs maybe you're like like you're going and you're going you're dancing all of a sudden now you're like sweating and you need water whatever but what they would do is they would give the ecstasy away free and then they would charge an obscene amount of money for bottled water and people would pay it because apparently they needed that water but again money comes back to money I know people say that abortion should be a right. My body, my choice, woman's right to choose, so on and so forth. But if it is a woman's right to choose, if it is a part of women's rights, according to Planned Parenthood, it can cost up to $750. Why isn't it free? Why is it a billion dollar a year industry? It should be about women's rights, but it's not. It's about money. $750. $750. Now I call around to a couple places in my area and yeah, the average price was somewhere between $350 and $600 depending on where you went. And of course there's insurance if you can, if your insurance covers it, but somebody's paying the bill. If this is about women's rights, shouldn't it be free? Should it be something that's free? Costs you nothing? But upwards of $750 according to Planned Parenthood's website. That's a lot of money. Again, so what are we talking about? Talking about money, talking about greed. We had some voter ID laws in some states that was voted in favor, but again, a lot of places, no, it's turned away. Why is that? Why is it that when we tried to do things for the betterment of society, it's deemed bad, but when we try to do things that time and time again have been proven to be a detriment to people, a detriment to society, we push that agenda. Look at LGBT, the agenda pushing on young kids, kindergarten, first, second, third grades. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, look at puberty blockers on young kids. You're looking at uh, surgery. I think the, the latest craze is top chop. Young ladies getting their breasts removed, top chop. I got my top chop. Okay. Body mutilation. That's what it's amounting to. So again, we're pushing things that are negative, pushing things that at one time, like I said, fell under the vice, the vice cops. But that's what we're pushing. That's what we're voting on. That's what we want. That's what we're pushing. Why? And then Swalwell, we've talked about him before on the show, that representative out of California who slept with Fang Fang and makes a boatload of money and wants you to pay for his childcare. He came out and said that uh, schools are more equipped to know what your kid needs to be taught than you are. So parents' rights being taken away. 
So that leads me to ask you, what other things should be legalized? Well, what about prostitution? Why not? It's only legal in uh, 10 Nevada counties, apparently. Should it be legal? Well, Dennis Hoff, you might know him. He's uh, passed away, but he was, I guess, the proprietor of the, um, it was on HBO, like the Bunny Ranch or some brothel in Nevada. And so this was his take on why prostitution should be legal. A, a pimp, in its simplest term, is, is a man that brings women, uh, brings men or women to girls for sex. Okay. So in the simplest term, I'm a pimp. But, but I have a license. I have a business license to do this. So you're it's, a legal pimp. I'm a legal pimp, absolutely. But in the street vernacular, in, 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 in most people's uh, thoughts, a pimp is a guy that goes to, to Kansas City, grabs underage girls, runaways, fills them up with drugs, and owns them and makes them, hauls them around to Oakland, Las Vegas. So when, when you legalize something, who do you take out of the business? You take the underage girls out. Because every girl here has to go down and get a business license, be fingerprinted, photographed. They run the federal check on them. Who else can't get in the business? The pimps. This business, the prostitution business worldwide, is a dirty, disgusting, drug-ridden, exploitive, disease-ridden business till you legalize it. And when you make it legal, everything changes. Is that convincing enough to make it legalized? Or to make it legal, to legalize prostitution? Now, a lot of people are going to say, no, we can't do that. But where do you draw the line? If we are trying to push legalization of marijuana, legalize online sports betting, codify abortion in state constitutions, if we're trying to push transgender ideology, transgender surgery, If we're trying to do all this, where do we draw the line? Why not prostitution? Why not legalize it? It's the oldest profession. It's been around. There's a lot of places around the world that have taken steps to, I don't know if you would call it legalization, but decriminalize it. Makes sense. California at one point, I think they were talking, I think California did in fact take away the loitering aspect At one time, you could even walk the streets and loiter because you could get arrested for prostitution. Now they've taken that away. At one point, they tried to make it illegal to make a right-hand turn, trying to prevent prostitution streets on the streets. But if it's been around and will forever be around, why not legalize it? Where do you draw the line? Why not do that? You could tax it, just like you did marijuana, just like you do Online sports betting. You can charge a license fee, make money. You can make sure that people aren't getting exploited. Everybody has to be registered. You know, you go down and you stand in line with the people that are getting a security guard license, a beautician license, a barber license, and prostitute license. Why not? We should do that. Because where do you draw the line? Again, legalizing Marijuana, decriminalizing drug use, pushing online sports betting, or just gambling in general, pushing abortion. You want all that. Why not legalize something like prostitution? Can you tell me? 
Can you give me a good reason why if all these other things were pushing to legalize, why not that? Makes sense. Well, what else? What else can we legalize? I know California has decriminalized some things, like if you give someone HIV, like knowingly give someone HIV, it's no longer a felony. It's just a misdemeanor. Apparently, there is something going on where if you get caught with someone underaged, you don't have to be registered as a sex offender, so they're kind of decriminalizing pedophilia in a way, supposedly. Where do you draw the line? Got to make a stand. If we don't make a stand, then we continue to go down this road. It continues to get worse. And then people are going to create more and more things to legalize, things that I probably can't even think of because my mind doesn't work that way. And it's all an excuse. Blame the victim. Crime is rampant across this country. Blame the victim. Not the one doing the crime. Why is that? Why have we gotten to this point in this country where that's the stuff we're pushing? And people will say it's harmless. They may push back, say it's harmless. Who are you, the morality police? No, but when you take a look at the future and you see where we're going, you can see exactly where we're going by going down this path. And it's not a good one. It's not one that's raising the standard. It's not one that's bringing out our inner greatness. It's not one that's going to inspire others and motivate others to do better. And so then why do we have laws to protect children? Why should they go to school? I mean, we kept them out of school the last couple of years. Why should they go to school? That's eh, a waste of time. Let's put them to work. Let's make money off of them. Remember child labor laws? Let's do away with them. I mean, after all, we take them to shows where there's uh, transgendered or cross-dressing strippers. We try to teach them things in school that parents don't want. School boards. I mean, in fact, take a look at some of the things that have taken place. School boards have been kicked loose. The liberal school boards, they're more conservative now across the country. Look at the DA in San Francisco that got recalled for not punishing criminals, prosecuting crimes. So there is some pushback. Some of these ballot measures failing at the ballot box. And that's good to see. But at what point do we cross that line or that point of no return? Because again, tell me, what good comes from legalizing marijuana? Well, if you're receiving the mass amounts of money, But why do we want a society smoking marijuana? What good comes from that? Why are we trying to get people to bet online? It's good for the people that's receiving the money, taking the bets. Yeah, they're going to make lots of money. But what about the person that during this time of inflation barely has enough to put food on the table, keep the heat on, and pay for rent? Now they're taking that money thinking they're going to parlay themselves into a lottery-winning event. It's not going to happen. Abortion. Again, why not prostitution? Why not other things that we've talked about? Just makes sense. Speaking of gambling, did you play the uh, Powerball? Were you tempted to? 
I did not because I knew I wasn't going to win. So I just decided to keep my, was it a buck or two? What would you do with it is the question. What's the first thing you would do? So I've been spending the last uh, little bit of time since that uh, award was won and asking people, what would they do? Now, a lot of people try to take the high road, you know, pay off debt, help others, you know, set their parents up, give some money away, stuff like that. And that's great. But let's just talk turkey here as it's that time of year. What would you do? Well, yeah, I'd pay off debt. And then the first thing I would do is I'd either I uh, go buy me a plane. I don't know how much planes are because I'm not in the market to buying a plane. But I would at least rent someone, uh, rent one, pilot, whatever. And I'd go travel. That's the first thing I would do. I'd go travel. Go to some states that I haven't been to. Maybe I'd wait until warmer weather. Or maybe go down south. I don't know. Maybe I'd go down south. Maybe visit Brazil. I don't know. Sounds like a good time. Like it's summer down under, right? Maybe Australia. Is it a good time to go to Australia? Maybe in January. Go to Australia and watch the Australian Open. The tennis tournament. But I'd definitely travel. But here's the thing that comes down to it. Most people, not all, but most people that win the lottery eventually lose it. Why is that? Because they are bad stewards of money to begin with. If you're not financially secure, and I'm not talking about rich and don't have any worries, but I'm not, I'm talking about if you can't handle the resources, the finances that you have now, you're going to blow the money. So first off, if you win $2 billion, you will obviously take the cash payout, which is about a billion dollars. And then there's taxes on top of that. So I figured you probably end up with 500, 600 million. Okay. That's a lot of money. That's life changing money. That's life destroying money. But so you take the payout. Now it would take, if you took the payout, you get the five, 600 million right away. I mean, you know, pretty much right away. Taxes taken care of, et cetera. However, if you took the monthly payout, you would get about 9.3 million a month. It would take you about 10 years, obviously, to get to that kind of billion dollar level, which is the cash payout for winning two billion, you get about half. And then anything above that, so years 11 through 20, is gravy. Would you risk it? If you're young and healthy, would you risk it? Nine million a month? Now, if you pass away, obviously no one else gets the money. There's no beneficiaries that I'm aware of. But would you risk it? Just think year 11, now you've exceeded that billion-dollar cash payout. Probably not. But that's what happens. We take the money, and then we go, and we spend way beyond our means, and you lose it. Now you're telling me there's no way you can lose $500 million, right? Well, let's see. Mike Tyson had a financial collapse. $300 million he earned. $300 million. Yeah, he filed for bankruptcy in 2003. Reckless spending, buying up houses he never lived in, cars he never drove. He had showrooms of cars, I guess, just because he could. And that's exactly what it is. You buy because you can. You spend because you can. Of course, now I've talked to people that have money. I've talked to athletes with money because I used to work at a sports station in Los Angeles, and I'd talk to wealthy athletes. And they would tell you, you know, you have to be careful. Because people will come and hit you up for money. Hey, I've got this business I want to start. Hey, I've got this idea. I need some backing. Family members will come and hit you up. So you do have to be careful because there will be those people and those hanger-oners and the entourage that will come and suck your money, and then all of a sudden it's gone. 
So there's that aspect to it. But a lot of times it's just willful spending on the part of the person that has the money. Like Mike Tyson. What about Scott Pippen? Scotty Pippen, six-time NBA champion, made over $120 million as a player, but lost $27 million through poor investments and then ended up owing the bank $5 million in fees, lawsuits, etc. Evander Holyfield, the boxer, another boxer, made millions in the ring and then lost it all. Child support, something you don't think about. Had mansions. Pretty much had to sell everything he had to pay off the debt. What about Warren Sapp? Remember him? Warren Sapp was a guy that smoked pot, by the way. Just throwing that out there. See how it connects? Football player. I guess you can smoke pot and play sports. Because the NBA, they did away with their uh, marijuana. Like drug testing. I don't think they drug test for marijuana anymore. But Sapp made over $82 million as a player. Filed for bankruptcy. With a bank account of just over eight hundred, he then had to auction off homes and stuff, and it goes on and on. How about just everyday people? Evelyn Adams, five point four million dollars, New Jersey resident. She was a millionaire more than once. She won the lottery twice in eighty five and eighty six, over five million dollars. And then she was a compulsive gambler. Lived near Atlantic City, lost it all. $5 million, but yet she had a gambling addiction. Lived near Atlantic City, blew all $5 million. If that right there isn't the moral of the story, I don't know what is. Everything we're talking about wrapped up in Evelyn Adams. What about Michael Carroll? Another just average citizen. $15.8 million in the UK, the UK. He had about uh, winnings of about $16 million, American money. He developed a crack cocaine habit, which cost him $3,000 a day. What are we talking about? And then uh, call girls and prostitutes. Big fan of those, was he? And then, of course, he bought huge mansions, large parties, alcohol and drugs, pricey cars. And less than 10 years, he had spent it all. And eventually living on public assistance. And I guess at one point, according to the article, arrested for trying to steal a sandwich from a grocery store. $15.8 million. So again, I tell you, or you tell me, I guess it's better. The things we're talking about, what good is there? I'm not against people having money. You want to win the, million, uh, be, win the lottery, play it, fine. But what happens is we start to go beyond our means. We start to, we have money, so we buy, we buy, we buy, because we can Look at these athletes and people that won the lottery. Addiction to drugs, addiction to gambling, destroyed them. Expenses of things they never used, houses, cars, things. And then, of course, there's N.C. Hammer. Remember him? Can't touch this? Well, apparently, can't touch his money. He had $33 million. Eventually lost it all. I guess he had a 200-person entourage that would go everywhere with him. He had mansions, a 17-car garage, a baseball diamond court, gold-plated gate drive, uh, driveway gate, and then he filed for bankruptcy. I guess he now has a net worth of about a million dollars because he made a comeback. Uh, but again, so as we talk about these things, what are we talking about? 
We're talking about people that get involved in things they cannot control themselves. It's on and on. A couple more examples, but kind of running out of time here. But so when we look at these things, how do they make us better? How do they inspire us to do better? How do they motivate us to raise the standard? They don't because all of this is life-destroying activities, whether you think it or not. You might know people that were on drugs and got off of it and they're okay today. Are they really okay? And if they are, hey, that's great. Congratulations. I know people that are talking uh, sobriety 30-some years. That's awesome. I'm not condemning that. That should be celebrated. But what would their life have been like? What would their life had been like if they weren't going through this destructive behavior? What could they have contributed during that time they were going through destructive behavior? Did they influence anybody else to maybe take a path down this avenue of destructive behavior? Did anybody else participate in drugs with you as you were doing it? Maybe gambling on things when they don't have the money. Not spending money wisely, but on frivolous things because you're doing that and they want to be cool like you. What if you were doing things that were more positive? What if you were doing things that were more motivating for the good? It's all perspective. Imagine some of the things that these talented students could have done if they weren't high all the time. We could have probably had some pretty unprecedented shows on that college radio station, but we were limited because people were high. So as we go through the next few years and we look at things that pop up on these ballots, how are you going to vote? Is that something you want? Are we going down a path That's going to lead us to the point of no return. That's going to lead to the destruction of society. All great empires implode from within. And I truly believe that we are on the cusp of imploding from within. Politicians don't care about you. I don't care what you think. They come around every two, four, six years. Vote for me. I'll help you. Tell me one time when a politician has helped you. All they do is help themselves. All they do is care about themselves. All they do is worry about their wallets and pocketbooks. If someone's going to throw money at them, they will do whatever those people say. That's all it is. It's all about the money. That's what this whole thing is about. It's about money. Who's making the money? Who's profiting off of this? In the end, we're the ones that suffer. We're the ones, society, average people, we're the ones that have to deal with the aftermath of it. We're the ones that are walking over the homeless people on the streets. We're the one that has to look at our neighbors, our friends, other people in the community and see them struggle. And then we try to have to try to reach out and help them. But we're the ones that suffer. Those people don't. So wouldn't it be better if we had a society that was going up instead of one that was focusing on the road that was taking us down? Because, again, it comes down to this. I ask you, I ask you this, and I would really love an answer to it. Tell me one good thing, 
one positive thing that comes from drug use, that comes from gambling, that comes from abortion, that comes from prostitution, that comes from, we didn't even get into pornography. That's a whole nother thing we could talk about, legalizing it and what goes on with it and how negative that world is. And why isn't, and why is pornography legal when you're paying people to perform sex, but prostitution isn't? But again, tell me, what's one good thing that comes from any of these things? I'd love to know. How does it make us better? How does it make society better? What can come from it? Let me know. In fact, you can email me, TWO, two steps ed podcast at gmail.com. Let me know. You can reach out on our Instagram page at TWO, two steps ed podcast, or on my personal page at Eden Rocks on Instagram. Check out our website, radiowarp.com, radio W-A-R-P, radiowarp.com. You can go back and listen to some old episodes, like uh, episode 66, I think it is, when it talks about, uh, or uh, maybe it's not 66, but there's prior episodes that talk about some of the things in depth, like abortion and what I believe, because you might not think, or you might think I believe one thing, but it might be different. So you can check it out. You can listen to the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, just Google search or internet search TWO, Two Steps Ed Podcast, and you can find us. Hey, Suri. Hey, Google. Hey, Alexa. Play TWO, Two Steps Ed Podcast, and we pop up. And then you can subscribe to our YouTube, our Rumble, or our SoundCloud accounts. Links in the bio of our Instagram page. And uh, never miss an episode. But think about it. The future of the country and society. Where is it headed? This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.